0: I invite you to turn this morning with me to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Uh, we have been journeying through the month of June with a playlist of sorts called the Song of Ascents. And it's a it's a group of 15 Psalms from 120 through 134. Um that the pilgrims going up to Jerusalem from wherever they would have been for the annual feasts. Um, would have sung, and they would have used these as a preparatory kind of heart statement as they worked their way through the roads. um, It would have become a preparatory as well as a bonding event um, for the families and communities that they would have all been singing as one. And road trips um, are an interesting thing if you've, you know, there's a lot of road trips going on right now, a lot of people traveling to this and traveling to that. It's something that historically we do a lot during the summer. Um, but if you've ever been on a family road trip or any road trip, you can understand memories that come about and stress that can come about, right? Um, it, you know, it, think about any time you're trying to get your family. In the car, with everything in the car, together at one time. Miracles of Jesus were about the same size as an event (laughs) of traveling to do this, right? Um, Trying to get everybody and everything, not have to make uh, a return trip for for something or someone. Um, It's not an easy task, As a former youth pastor that has led a lot of my fair share of road trips, I can emphatically say that it takes something special to get any group of people going in, in, in unison anywhere at the same time. It's just not a natural thing. Why? Well, people are different. I mean, anytime you have a group, you're going to have people that are morning people and poor people that don't do mornings. You're going to have people that move slowly and people that can't move anywhere but at full speed. I mean, everybody has different tastes and preferences, and I don't want to do this, and he touched me, and she touched me, and, you know, why do I have to sit in the middle? And they touched my side of the seat, and all the other fun things that are part of family road trips. And yet, and yet... I I don't know about you, but I've been on trips where, you know, everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And then, or maybe at an event or concert or something like that where all of a sudden a song would come on. And all of a sudden all that difference seeps away. And in unison, you start to sing. I shared on Facebook, there's a video of a, a Green Day concert, and the concert hasn't begun yet. They just have music in the background, 60, 60 to 65,000 people in London waiting for this concert, and they start playing this song in the background. And before you know it, sixty to 65,000 people are singing at the top of their lungs in unison. Even during the guitar solos, they're humming the guitar solo. And it's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of how a song, an anthem, would come on. And you don't just sing anthems, you sang them. Right? I mean, whether patriotic, rock, religious... When, when those kind of songs, they stir us and they move the people that are, are a part of it to, to join in. And today's psalm is one of those very kind of songs. All of three verses today. Now, a year ago we talked about something similar to this. In that there's this idea that at the beginning of creation... The scriptures say that there was no order, let alone unity; that it was chaos of sorts, because it was just void and empty. But that God, through the through breath, through speaking into creation, all of a sudden came order, that which became a blessing to all of creation. But the fact that sin entered in resulted back into chaos and, and disorder. And so everyone's kind of doing their own thing. If, if you haven't been in the world very, very often or if you haven't noticed, um, it's all about me. It's not about us. It's my preferences, my choices, my, 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 and it doesn't take long for chaos to happen. In fact, it's kind of the order of the day. But unity for all the individual pieces to come together toward a common goal that takes effort and it's something though that's worth fighting for Um, I, I once heard of an old African proverb that said this if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together think on that If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. The blessings that come from unity are enough that we find this poetic description in today's psalm. And unity is is important in all areas of life. It's something that most people desire. But the unfortunate thing is that when many people think of, you know, if you ask many people on the, on the street what, what they think of church, unity is not necessarily one of the things that comes to the forefront. And, and so what we find, though, is that it's not a new problem. Throughout history, as we read the Scriptures in the midst of God's people, we find as soon as they start taking their focus off God over and over throughout the, old, the Scriptures, that what we find is that chaos happens. So when we look at this psalm in this morning, one of four that David wrote in the Song of Ascents, it, it holds special meaning because it's an anthem of sorts that people begin to sing and, and live into. And it's, uh, There's not a consensus of why this psalm was written or a historical understanding, but most presume that it was probably written by David at the time of his coronation when for the first time since crossing the Jordan that they all came together unison all the tribes to have one king one one leader and so in this psalm we have this picture of the sincere and simple pleasure of a people that are bound together by their covenant with the lord and who, having come from this great distance, anticipate this joy of, of standing together in the courts of the temple and sitting down together for meals together at, at the feast table. And so, so as we looked at this psalm in 133, we find that its primary purpose is talking about unity. It's to pronounce the blessings of a unified people. It takes something that while difficult is yet achievable and and gives us this imagery of of what it might look like and what the result will be when we truly come together to work together. Now, verse 1 is likely a proverb that had been used over and over it was well known it was it, it, to most of the israelites but in verses 2 and 3 it takes this different attitude and transforms it into something that's just beyond good feelings and turns it into something that's understanding that when god is together in that something special happens so if we walk in unity what are the blessings that we can expect to experience The first one is that life becomes more enjoyable. Verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. Things can be good and not pleasant. They can be pleasant but not good. But when God is involved, we can experience both at the same time. This phrase, good and pleasant, it's, it's something that would call back the reader to the beginning of creation and the story of creation when God spoke into the void and, and created order, and at the end of each phase, He declared, it is good. It's, it's about abundance. And while chaos seems to be a natural way of our, of our world, u- true unity comes from a desire for us to be right more than for me to be right. And that as that plays out, we experience peace, shalom, something that's good, it's abundant, and it's pleasing, and yet this psalm goes deeper than a surface-level thinking of, well, we're just working together. It goes deeper because it's, as we better understand what it's like to live in unity, we find that this psalmist is really talking about a blessing that originates from God as he speaks order into the world. We, we speak this idea in our church when we sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. The only way we can attain this good and pleasant thing, though, is found in the unified community based in Christ. In ancient Israel, community was a big deal. It meant something more than just a, a location where people were, but but it was to, to them to be in community was everything. In fact, any number of things could have taken people out of community. And it, was, it wasn't considered anything but being outside of what was good. And so they, if once they, I mean, think about it. They had uh, anywhere from a lack of cleanliness, cleanliness to minor and major crimes to just being plain selfish would cast people out of community. But to get back into community, to be restored to the group was everything. And in fact, they would have ceremonies and rituals that they would have to offer. The reality is, of all this is that together we are better because teamwork becomes even more capable when we work together. Verse 2, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard down upon the collar of his robe, of his robes. The imagery of this impo- of the statement is important. This verse, as, as we get to it, it's it's this religious image that that is is received its instructions in the book of Exodus, as Moses was given instructions to anoint his brother as the first high priest of the Israelites, and so you have this word picture and this understanding of history of what's going on here, and this here the psalmist is describing this ritual when sacrificially and specifically when when Aaron, brother of Moses, is anointed to be priest. And it's this picture of, of oil being poured on his head. But not just oil poured on, it, it's a specific oil and it's running, it's enough to to run down his face, to run from the top and cover his beard. And it doesn't stop there, but it continues on down into his clothes. It's more than just a little bit in this picture there's so much oil being poured that it's flowing over his beard what a beautiful understanding of god's abundance but what does that have to do with teamwork well a couple of things you see when spices were mixed with oil the oil became holy it was a special recipe only used in this instance for anointing the high priest or, or a king. By, by themselves, the spices couldn't make the oil holy. God had could have just used one spice, but He didn't. God didn't ask for three measurements of myrrh, no. He, instead, He required four different spices to be part of this holy mixture. It was not the oil that was holy, but the mixture. It's a great reminder for us that, that we need each other. The body of Christ is made up by all types of people. He has mixed together different experiences and personalities and temperaments and He's bound them together with the Holy Spirit and called it the body of Christ, His bride. And He calls us to live in harmony and unity, to be bearers of His holiness in the same way that the oil was a sacred and anointing oil that set apart God's people for a specific task. We are not only family we are a family with a shared purpose. Not only that, but there's another image important here. When it talks about it, the oil coming over his collar and onto his clothes, we need to understand that in Aaron, in his priestly garb, he would have had Eumen uh, and Thumen, which were two parts over his chest. And, and more than that, they, they had the, the names of the tribes of Israel, on them and so in this piece of 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 garb that he wore he he was representing all 12 tribes and so the oil as it comes over this one individual person and it, it drenches him and covers him it's covering uh metaphorically the entire body the entire family of israel God is blessing this entire nation. He's anointing this anointing oil always spoke to new opportunity and new service. Because unity unleashes this power in a team where where there's chaos can little happen. But if we come together, anything is possible. Because when there is unity, there is strength. And when there is division, There is weakness. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4 speaks to this. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, there are ample experiences and examples throughout our world of this. You, you look to a band, and we've talked about this in the past, that, that one instrument, a solo, can be good, but when you combine all the individual instruments together, they build this beautiful harmony that, that comes together and it's hard to replicate. In sports, a unified team working with all their individual strengths is much better than a team full of individuals just doing their own thing. When we work together, when God's Spirit is binding us together, we can accomplish so much more than any one person could do on their own. And that's why it's a sustainable blessing. Verse 3, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. Verse 3 continues this metaphor of, of God's anointed blessing flowing down. You see, Mount Hermon is is not in Jerusalem. It's not even really that close to the Temple Mount. It's it's 125 miles north. It's a little over. It's about the height of of the Elkhorns, a little over nine thousand feet. And but it's it's one of the taller points in this in this country. And in what we found though is is it's where most of the moisture collects the snow caps and all the different points, and it's from there that it runs down and becomes the headwaters of the Jordan and then trickles down even to the Dead Sea. And through this arid plateau that, that doesn't get much moisture from, from April to October in, in Palestine, it, it sees very little rainfall. And so any moisture is key to life. Without the mighty, uh, in this nightly accumulation of dew, the land would be parched and dry for many months out of the year. But in verse 3, this dew that, that soothes and refreshes the land comes down, not on Mount Hermon, but on Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem where we find the center of worship for ancient Israel. And so it's this understanding that what comes from God is a blessing that can abound forever. It starts here, but it it flows out and about. And this oil and this dew are metaphoric symbols of blessing that celebrate the goodness and pleasantness of those who dwell together in unity. The water that runs down from the mountain sustains us in the same way that God's people anointed by the Holy Spirit blessed and sent out with a purpose can be a sustainable blessing and work in a world that is often more about consuming than it is about giving and blessing others. There is a huge difference. Remember, where there is unity there is strength And where there's division, there's weakness. And so for us this morning, we can talk about how good and blessed it is to be together. But we all know that, from experience that it isn't an easy task. So if if these kinds of blessing are found in unity, how do we achieve it? And more importantly, how do we sustain it? It needs to be more than just a momentary thing. Because, but anything worth doing has a cost. Unity is no different. So I want to just share briefly this morning three building blocks of unity. What is it going to take for us to be a unified body of Christ? It starts with humility. To attain unity, we have to humble ourselves. We must choose to set ourselves aside to be a part of something bigger than any one of us individually. And yet, at the same time, we have to recognize the power that we all bring to the body. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. We all have something. We're all different. We have different personalities, different talents, gifts, and skills. We're all wonderfully and uniquely made. And so we have to use that individual uniqueness in humility and to benefit the whole as we accept the uniqueness of others. Why? Because we all bring something valuable to the body. And for us to accomplish something bigger, we have to work together. Humility understands that there's no such thing as a small part. Every part is necessary. There are no small parts in the church. Every believer should be joining in and living into the knowledge that they have a role to fill in the body of Christ. So own your gifts this morning. Offer them to God let them let god bless them and then humbly set them before as a blessing to those around you if you play an instrument play it for god's glory if you have the the gift of hospitality invite people over if if you can greet if you can shake hands we have a place for you if you can teach and maybe teaching scares you to death. Teach anyway. We have kids that need that blessing. If you love to work with kids, Deidre has a place for you. If you like to work with teens, Thomas and Kaylee have a place for you. If you can sing, Lenny's got a place for you. If you can push a button, we need people in the back pushing buttons. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We all recognize that. But we all bring something. Humility understands there's no small part. And don't tell me you don't have anything to share because God doesn't work that way. So not only do we need humility, but we need trust. To trust is to have a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. For the body of Christ, it means that we need to believe not only the gift of Christ, but also the gift of one another. We're on the same team. We need to stop worrying about the other stuff and know that we're working for the same goal. Only where trust exists does the kind of vulnerability needed to accomplish the task of the church flourish. We're all broken pots, as Steve shared this morning, that God can use to make a beautiful mosaic. It's likely that we aren't going to get it right every time. People mess up. But apply some grace Trust that we can come together and understand that we're going to continue to work together and that we can ask for help because we all want the same thing. We all do it together. One of the best illustrations of this was um, several times I I watched our girls basketball team play. And I I didn't get to watch that one game where they were down, what, 14 going into the fourth quarter? that they trusted one another. They got beyond the mistakes that they had already made and started believing in the goal and the power and the, the experience that they had one another. When they won that first game of the, of the state playoffs, I told Kim, they're going to win the whole thing. And there were moments when trust in one another and what each person brought to the table is what got them through. It's the same for the church. Because the third point is that we have to have a tenacity, a determination to what God wants us to do. It's this mindset of I'm going to dig in and I'm going to get things done. I'm not going to let all the other stuff that's going around me discourage me, but I'm going to get into what we have. For instance, I was thinking about this. It appears um, that June is the month of weddings. Lenny's has got a couple done. A couple I've done a couple, you know, this summer. And and whether we're watching them, or better yet, as I get to lead couples through their vows, what it does is help remind me of the vows that I took 26 years ago, and that it takes a determination, a tenacity, a, a dedication in order for that relationship to survive. It's the same with the church. We we need to be determined to do our part, to support one another, and to make sure that no one is left behind. We have to focus in, dig in, and not let go of one another because we're each worth fighting for. The body of Christ is bigger than any one person. And the words of the writer of Hebrews We must not give up on meeting together. So what does that all mean for us? Let's start with the fact that everything comes from God. God's blessings flow in abundance to his people, that through his people working together, they might become a blessing to all the world. Because the dew on the mountain melts, to give water to the places and people who have none. As Jesus prayed for us, that Mo- as Molly read this morning, uh, that we would come fully to understand that we are all family, that we would be united, true community, that we would all be together and responsible for one another, that we're to love and to care for and nurture one another. And that there is no shortage of grace for any of us. From there, abundant life of Christ will flow and bless and nourish the world around us. And the thing is, it's noticeable when that does. Because it's not normal. And as I've said over and over, in this world, we need to understand that normal doesn't work. But God's plan us that's one of the right re- one of the reasons why he set for us an example and i'm going to invite the ushers to come as we prepare for communion together we're reminded that in the same night that our lord was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me.